Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from... Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar on YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We're still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page. It can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash from the shadows. You can receive books, stickers, coffee mugs, and special content just for our Patreon subscribers. Check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said, Let's get this episode started. Okay, so so Holler, last week we had our, we had a special guest on, super superstar, super fan, Tim Loveless, and we didn't even get into. We were so excited to have him on, until you know get into the story. We didn't even we didn't even let him explain a little bit about his background, why, you know, how famous the guy we were hanging out with last week. Right. So, so we're bringing. And I don't laugh, Tim. So, so we're so we got Tim back. We got Tim back for a, for our pre-Halloween episode, and 
and just so everybody is listening knows if you if you're not sick of Tim by the end of this episode, Friday's episode on the on the on the paranormal side of the From the Shadows podcast, he's coming back again for our Halloween episode. So so Tim, this might be your only chance to tell some people about yourself because they might be so sick of you that they don't tune in for <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, so, oh. get, so get so give the diehard Howard fans a little bit of taste of like of what you've done of some of the cool stuff that you've done. All right. So aside from my very uh, diverse background in a lot of different things, let's just say I could write a book called How to Make a Living Screwing Off. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd be a bestseller as, for sure. For sure. <laughs> especially today. Yeah. But, um, you know, obviously, um, the things you learn as an actor, I mean, I started out really young as an actor and I did some theater, um, and I worked my way up through community theater, did some regional theater, and then ultimately, uh, wanted to make a living as an actor. So in the Detroit market, uh, that includes a lot of non, you know, fun type acting roles. So I did a lot of what's called in industrial films <laughs> you know snuff was, films or are are those snuff films or are they, <laughs> that's not uh sorry. no no they felt like it on some days though but like <laughs> you know like it, just training videos for corporations um how to train employees how to run cash registers how to greet customers how to put on a muffler you know all this stuff so i did i did a lot of that and in the process um a film came to town or I should say was being made in town by Gary Jones, which you've talked about plenty of times. You've had him on your show. Um, Gary was creating the movie mosquito and Gary was fresh off of doing um, visual effects for like hard target from Jean-Claude Van Damme, but more notably evil dead. Um, so he was an evil dead to uh, effects guy. And actually quite a few of the guys or at least a handful of the guys that were working on mosquito and he hadn't really put together the crew yet, but they were, they all had their hands in it. Okay. So when I auditioned for a TV commercial, which I did quite a few of back in the day, uh, I got the call to be a werewolf and, and, uh, I had to get this role because I grew up on those types of movies, you know, the, the werewolf, the Frankenstein, the creature from the black lagoon and Dracula and all that. So when my agent called and said, Hey, can you think you could play a werewolf? And I'm like, yeah, and she goes, well, thought this would be right up your alley so i auditioned got the part um and then gary was the one doing my effects for that but um as a result of going to the studio that's how i got involved in mosquito which was my first feature film and mosquito has gone on to become you know a minor cult hit um it's it showed you know on the usa network for about 10 years went to the sci-fi channel um, and in the process, um, I met other filmmakers, low budget, um, you know, creative types from the Detroit or the Michigan area. Uh, and I was fortunate to be involved in some other movies. And I, you know, I happened to, I've worked on a couple of big budget movies. I got to work on Hoffa with Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito. My scene was totally cut, which I didn't even know until I was sitting there with my girlfriend. And after I bought the popcorn and I'm like, Hey, this is my scene coming up. And then, and then <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> So, but the take, that's, that's movie making, right? So, you know, when you're, when you're bakery worker, number four, there's nothing says that, you know, (laughs) you're going to end up on the big screen. But, 
<clears throat> no, I had a great time, you know, hanging out on the set, got to spend some time with Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito. I got some great stories about those guys. But um, anyway, I, I went on to uh, work on another one called Hatred of a Minute, which is made by my good buddy, Mike Callio, um, who is a filmmaker. And that one was produced by Bruce Campbell, who was Ash in Evil Dead. And so got to spend some time, got to know Bruce. So, I mean, it's, I've been really fortunate. And in Mosquito, you know, Leatherface, who was Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface, was in that. And I've, I've got to work with some iconic people in in the film business, you know, both in horror and, and outside of the horror movies. But anyway, that's it. And I went on to do, I think I've done nine or ten. I haven't counted. But, uh, you know, ultimately what led me to meet Shane and how I ended up here today is uh we worked on the film escape from death block 13 which i play the character of tex um in the film and it's going to be out here pretty soon so yeah it'll be out next it'll be out next week november 2nd on all some streaming platforms right i guess yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah i mean talk about uh, iconic people that you get to work with i mean seriously i mean come on you can, you can keep going about me if you want i mean you saw that <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah i mean we certainly do hope that uh you know the uh fans of the howler will go check out escape from death block 13 next week and and uh because i think fans of the howler this is a kind of movie you know i think, it's I think kind i'm of gonna buy a copy you said it's coming to walmart i'm just gonna buy a copy yeah it's coming to walmart there you go it's coming to walmart it's all my people need in here Hey, by the way, hey, by the way, I'm going to give another shameless plug of whatever, what else is coming to Walmart. So uh, two days after this episode comes out, go to Walmart and buy a copy of the Eddie Montgomery album. Please go, go support, go support your local podcast host in his songwriting efforts. I guess we can't buy singles anymore. Do they even sell singles anymore? (laughs) No, look. Look, they're lucky that this is coming out as an album available at Walmart. That doesn't even happen anymore. I mean, this is like a Walmart exclusive deal. I don't know what, I don't know all the ins and outs, but uh, yeah, they don't normally even sell. They hardly even sell music at Walmart. So, Howler, you you can buy singles. You just download from iTunes. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess that's right. You know, there you go. There you go. But that's not as good as having that single cassette or that single, you know, I mean, come on, back of it. That's right. You know, I mean, I might be up there at the cabin and I don't get no, my, you know, I bought the either Rolling Stones greatest hits or Sticky Fingers. I brought a Rolling Stones album and for the longest time it wouldn't work unless I had the internet because I guess I wasn't smart enough to download it to my library or something. I don't understand. I had all kinds of problems with my Stones album for a while. Well, well, so Tim, the reason we wanted to have you back, um, not just so we could, you know, butter you up with let you talk about how, you know, great your acting career has been, but we, you told Jason and I story off the air that was kind of creepy and it kind of goes in with this week leading up to Halloween. And I, I thought maybe you could come on and, and, and share the story. And, and I think it dovetails into a couple things that the uh, Howler has, has to say, you know, maybe, maybe we will have a scary Halloween Howler episode. This is what this will be. Yeah. So, you know, well, first and foremost, um, 
I'm a huge fan of the Howler. I listen to all the episodes. Um, and every time, you know, there's, there's times during episodes where he's talking about something and I'm like, I can completely identify with that, completely identify with that. One thing that he's mentioned is he is, he's not really a believer in no. Bigfoot. Is that right, Howard? Well, you know, I went out with a girl that got the Bigfoot award in our, in our high school <laughs> class, but that's as close as I could come. And, you know, she grew up to be a banker. So, I mean, if that don't make her scary enough. You know what I mean? It's probably <laughs> tough, toughest creatures in the world to be a woman banker. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, you know, because my people, I, you know, I, I would have done seen him in the woods. You know, I had a lifetime in the woods. I, I would have done found him. My people would have done killed him. The game warden would have done get us a, give us a ticket for being out of season. And or my uncle, the truck driver, would have hit him on the highway. You know. So I, and I'm, I'm in the same category because here's the thing. I spend a tremendous amount of time in the woods and I live in, in the woods in Northern Michigan. I, you know, I moved out of the city 21 years ago to get away from the rat race. And I, I wasn't even in the city then I'm born and raised, you know, in the country and we had horses and, you know, but it was just too congested down there. But I have spent a tremendous amount of time in the woods and I've traveled and done hunting trips and, you know, British Columbia, up by Alaska and, um, <clears throat> spent a lot of time roaming around the woods, you know, out West, but in Northern Michigan, we have, you know, a, many large tracts of uh, state and national forests that kind of tie together. And mm-hmm. I think it's close to a million acres total. Um, sure. <clears throat> so years ago, um, I, I had a coon dog and, you know, it was my first coon dog. And I always wanted to have a coon dog. And this one, you know, was kind of given to me by a guy that found it. And so we tried right. to find the owner and, and it got me into it. And it was a, it was a Walker dog, which, you know, how yeah, you know, walkers, right? Coon dog was a Walker coon out given to me. Usually they give, yeah. give them away because they don't work out, but go ahead. Right. Well, and that's, <laughs> you know, and that's and exactly give the good ones away. <laughs> I found that's exactly. Out. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what happened to that one? Uh, but uh, later in life, I, I, I hooked up with a buddy of mine that raised red bones. And red bones, you know, are, I think, a very traditional hound. Uh, right. They're not typically known as being, the, you know, a solid coon dog, meaning that they're, they've really got a lot of drive and a lot of hunt in them. They're more known on the, in the coon hound world as a show dog. But there are some bloodlines that are really good at hunting and that, you know, and guys have bred them specifically for that. But, um, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to have a guy move across the road from me and, um, he had red bones and I hunted with him. And when I saw his dogs compared to my old Walker dog that was free, I decided it was time to get a red bone pup and you know, that the rest is history. But, um, I had since, you know, we hunted a lot of farm ground, spent a lot of time in these, you know, woodlots behind farms in Southern Michigan. And when I moved to Northern Michigan, I had to kind of learn how to hunt all over again, because you're not hunting cornfields and crops and little tiny woodlots that have, you know, 20 dentries in it where, you know, there's just a kind of concentration of raccoons. You can go miles, and not come across a coon track. So one of the things that I learned how to do was I learned how to road a dog. And we have these two tracks up here, which are little roads to the woods that are, you know, narrow, wide enough for the truck and literally call it two track. Cause there's two tracks where your wheels go down the middle of it, you know? And, uh, I was out one night and, uh, it was 
about this time of year, October, most of the leaves were coming down and raccoons really like to feed in the oaks. They like the acorns, you know, so that's kind of the idea. Um, let's just take the dog and rode it through, through the oaks on these two tracks. And she was, uh, this particular dog that I had actually was probably the best coon dog I ever owned. She was the dog that when you turned her loose, um, she, you, the only way you were going to find her was underneath a tree with a coon in it. And she went through her, you know, phases of, you know, running a little bit of junk and then you break them off of that. But she never really was a, a dog that I had to worry too much about. I broke her off porcupines. She never fooled around with bears. She never messed with the elk. We have an elk herd up here where I live. Um, and she never ran deer. Um, squirrels, you know, are going to leave lots of tracks in the woods. And the way these dogs work is they're, they're scent trailing hounds, right? So she would road down the road in front of the truck and I would just get out of the truck at night and I'd turn my headlamp on and go to the back and I'd open the dog box and I'd put her down on the road. She'd move up ahead in the headlights and she'd stand there and wait till she heard it kick into drive and she'd trot on down the road in front of the truck. And this is late at night, big country, never, rarely ever see anybody, um, except every now and then the game board, you know, they, they fly around in planes and they see you driving slow on two tracks and they come oh, check sure. you out because they think you're out sh shining and shooting. So this particular night, I took her to a, a location that has a really big bog. And when I say bog, I mean, this is a real bog. Like it has carnivorous plants. It's got the, the pitcher plants, got the honey dew, um, but it's a peat bog. It's really large. And that around this bog is this Oak Ridge and in the woods at night, you know, the moon has different phases. And on this particular night, there was no moon at all. So it was total pitch dark black but up here we have a lot of starlight we don't have any we don't have any pollution from cities or anything right, so sure. even on even on a dark dark night you can still see a little bit so i put her down in the road and she started roading ahead of me and uh, i followed her with the truck just like she always had and i had a had a garmin gps tracker tracking collar on her and i could see that she was in the road up ahead and she, a lot of times when fresh green out of the box, when you cut her loose, she needed to burn off a little bit of steam. She'd run faster than my truck could go down a two track without beating it to death. And she'd cover some ground. So I'm kind of glancing down at the, at the Garmin while I'm driving, kind of keeping an eye out for her in the, in the headlights. But these two tracks kind of wind around. She was way up the road and I got up to one corner and I looked down and all of a sudden I realized she's right there. And I looked up and she was coming for the truck i mean coming for the truck so i stopped the truck and i thought you know you know what's going on and i had this tailgate down in the dog box that i had in the back it's a big dog box got double doors on it you know and by the time i could get the truck into park and get out of the truck she was on the tailgate of the truck ramming her head against the door and trembling and trying to get trying in. to get in trying to get in and Howler, I heard you say something on an episode one time that, you know, you got to trust your dog, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, most of the time, and... I, mean, I got a couple right here at my feet, as a matter of fact. I don't know if I trust them to do the right thing, but they'll certainly. <laughs> so, so I got out, you know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to open the, the door. She keeps hitting it, you know, with her head. I had to get one hand on the collar, pull her back a little bit, open 
the door and when i let go of her she about bounced off the back of the dog box and it's it's a deeper dog box it's probably four foot long and she curled up in the back and was shaking and i you know i'm bent over looking in the dog box at her with my with my headlamp and i've never seen this dog do this before now this dog had roded at this point probably well over a thousand miles um had treed you know two to three hundred raccoons in her life and she had run over every track known to man in this particular area and i just had a feeling i was like something is not right you know <clears throat> we have bears but you know she's like i said she's roded over she had to rode it over 50 60 bears never never fooled with them and a lot of a lot of good coon dogs don't until you actually you know if you want to make them a bear dog you got to make them a bear dog but uh she never fooled with them and to this day i mean i got out i got in the truck and i thought well i'm going to drive down the road and i'm going to cut her out again and see if you know she wants to go and the more i sat in that truck and you know i looked out down those headlights down that two track i thought there's something down there and i didn't stick around I said, well, maybe it's just time to go home. <laughs> so I turned the Dude, truck didn't around. Didn't you have a gun or something to go down there and check it out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at 22. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I drove down there a little ways. I had, to, I had to drive down there to find a spot to turn around. But, you know, it's just – and here's the thing. I don't get scared in the woods at night. Um, and I, again, have spent, you know, more time in the woods at night by myself – than almost everybody I know, except for other coon hunters. And you, you know, and you turn your headlamp off. So you let your eyes adjust so you don't waste your battery. And so there's, you know, I've stood in the dark in the big woods for hundreds and hundreds of nights, just listening to dogs and, uh, you know, never got spooked, never wondered if there was something that was going to get me. But that night, that dog that was as solid as a rock and as honest dog as, you know, I mean, as good a coon dog as I've ever owned, she didn't want any part of whatever she ran into in the woods that night. Hey, so I don't know. Were you able to take her back out again and she be okay? Well, I didn't take her out again that night. I thought about it, but she just did. And in, in fact, from where I was in the woods, the drive back to my house was probably about 40 minutes. And so, you know, by the time I got the truck turned around, I got home, got back to the kennel um and opened up the the door she was still in the back of the box and normally the dog knows the drill she's done this hundreds of times you pull in the driveway she knows you just turned it in the driveway she, you know they're hounds they got noses mm -hmm. you know they know oh, the yeah. they know the turn they know the turn you're making you know and and so when i turn around at the barn the other dogs that are in the kennels back there get get to barking and so she knows she's home and she's normally right there. I, I don't even have to leash her. You know, I just open up the dog box and she runs in at her kennel and gets a drink of water and curls up and goes to sleep for the night. And I had to pry her out of the dog box that night. So, I don't know. You tell me, what was it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe she was cold. I, maybe she, I, I don't know. Maybe she was I don't know. Cold. You know, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> well, you know what? What this is what struck me there. Okay, I've been in the woods and been scared before, right? But I never once thought it was Bigfoot, right? I, it was something right. else. I don't know. It was just weird ghosts or haunts or something. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I would think that 
I don't want to say paranormal, you know, as in aliens and shit. But sometimes, yeah, I think maybe there's a ghost out there too. But not too long ago, well, you know, me and Grover's talking all the time. Grover says, hey, you know, maybe sometimes I, we get people that want me to break break off from the from the shadows and do my own thing, right? And talk about a variety like uh, an Ozark variety show, right? So. With that in mind, I thought, well, who would I talk to? You know, who's who's, you know, who who would I have on there that would know some stuff or have some stuff? And with that, when I was at the county fair last time, one of the pillars of the community here I live with is uh, in, in live in and around is a is a retired game warden, and he's a guy that I I actually known him for a long time. He just didn't know who I was, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and since I moved down here, me and him have kind of fostered a relationship so to speak you know what i'm saying where he, he opens up and we talk and everything and i thought well maybe i'll ask him if he wanted i was gonna ask him to be on like a weekly show or try to get him on a normal show because here's a guy that spent 30 plus years as a game warden down here in the ozark mountains right and he was but prior to that he was in he was a vietnam veteran and i mean he 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 kind of been around, right? And he's got a reputation as a tough guy. And I'm telling you, at his age, I mean, he's 70 years old, and you would still think twice before you'd mess with him, right? So I asked him at the county fair. I said, hey, you know, we're cutting up, and he's telling stories and everything. And I said, you ever, you ever got any stories about Bigfoot or paranormal shit out in the woods? And like a, like turning off a light, he went from smiling and being happy, and, and he said, no, I ain't got no, I ain't got no stories like that. Uh huh. And I said nothing. He goes, well, I got one story. The name Bigfoot's only come up one time in my career. And I said, well, I'm all ears. Let's let, let me hear it. And he said, well, we're just going after spotlighters and such and such down the road down here by twin bridges anyway kind of down if you're a local guy you kind of know where he's talking about right and he said i parked my truck up in so-and-so's field and i up at his barn and walked down there because he said they were shining on that in that creek bottom about two or three nights a week so he said i parked my truck up there and i walked down by the road and found a big sycamore tree and just sat down by it and sure enough i about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, here comes this truck. And boy, they lit up that field and they're trying to see these deer out there. And they're they're slowly approaching where I'm sitting. Now I'm on the bluff side. They're shining the, the river side of the field, which is flat. You know what it would look like. I mean, you guys understand that. So right. he says, they were going so slow, I just jumped out there like you was hauling hay as a kid, jumped on the bumper and jumped in the back of this truck. Regular <laughs> cab pickup. <laughs> okay. And he said, they, they kept driving real slow, 15, 18 miles an hour. And he said they had a beer can window and they had every, you know, mile or two, they'd try to reach back there and get something out of the cooler and, and, I just step aside so they couldn't see me. He said, "You know, I knew it was a matter of time. They, they're they're going to see me sooner or later. They're going to see me standing in the back of this truck, and they don't. And <laughs> they get a couple beers out of that cooler, and they'd go a mile or so, and then they'd throw the cans back out there with me. And 
they shine in this field and shine in that field. And they get up here to the blacktop and they ran the stop sign going over and they shine. And he says, I, I'm going to stay there. I figure I'm just going to stay there until they shoot something. You they violate. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So they have a real <laughs> violation. Because now they, right. they do a, what they call a harassing wildlife, but it wasn't that much back then. And he said, finally, after about seven, eight miles in his truck, he said they reached back there and they couldn't. They were running out of beer and they were reaching in that cooler and reaching in that cooler and reaching in that cooler, trying to get the last one. And he said, I just reached down there and grabbed his hand and said, you mean to help you? He said, when I'd done that, they slammed on the brake. He said, I, 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 I got flung up in the back of this thing, and they jumped out like a covey of quail. Threw it in park and just jumped out in the middle of the road, yelling, one of them yelling, Bigfoot. And he said, I had to jump out of the bed, and I walked over and stood in the headlights and said, no, I'm not Bigfoot, I'm the game warden. Now come on back here. And he had to coax them back to the truck because they were so scared. <laughs> I can imagine. And then he put a told him to hop in the back, and he drove the truck back up to to uh, where he was parked. And uh, this before cell phones. And then called the deputies, and, and they ended up our troopers and gave the guy a DWI and wrote him a bunch of littering tickets because some of the cans didn't go in the back. He said, that's the only time Bigfoot's ever come in my career is when they thought I was Bigfoot. So if you got some people in the woods that think they're seeing shit, it's the game warden. That's what it is. So my so, dog, my dog, I asked my him dog to come on and into tell the game that story warden. and he won't do it. He won't do it. So, yeah, so Tim, your dog saw the game warden, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, that scares most people around here worse than Bigfoot does. That's no lie. <laughs> They'd rather yeah, run into Bigfoot, Bigfoot might than the game break. You know the game war right. ain't. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, I'm not saying my dog ran into Bigfoot. I just want to get – I'm going to throw that out there now. But we do have the dog man up here. <laughs> well, we're kind of famous for the Michigan dog man in this location. So, yeah. <laughs> there's that there's that there's, uh, which i you know hey in my book dog man's way worse than bigfoot i'm just telling you yeah but i'm not very partial to dogs just because of my line of work That's right. well you know like like howler said in the past i mean there there is uh you know there's a million trail cameras in the woods these days they're everywhere i mean yeah. i've got trail cameras out right now and you would think that we would have clear pictures now i thought i had a picture of a bigfoot one time but it was a squirrel just looking at the camera because he was sitting on top of it looking down and oh, from nice. the shape of his nose i thought <laughs> i was scrolling through my pictures and it did startle me for a second and i showed it to a couple other people and they, they were like whoa what is that and i said well after you know two minutes of analyzing this photo i decided it was actually a squirrel because <laughs> it was it was weird looking <laughs> right well yeah I, but, you know, hey, I just, uh, I've heard so many stories from so many people that are so convincing that they've seen, they're seeing something, well, <laughs> you know, like, a, I, I, like I told a story last night at a, at, a, at the thing the judge and I went and, and spoke at, you know, we're telling scary stories. And so I just, because we're in North Central Ohio, I, I grabbed the story of the guy 
who in the mid seventies uh, was out there by the NASA Plum Brook facility and climbed up on top of his dirt bike out in the field and saw what he described as a caveman. Okay. Going through the cornfield. That guy told, you know, six in his early sixties tells me that story, you know, calls me off, off the air. It wasn't like he was on, and he tells me that story and he's so frightened while telling the story, like his voice is shaking. I mean, he's almost in tears and he's telling me like it happened the day before, you know, and it happened 40 years earlier. Now, you know, and the guy didn't even want to come on the podcast. I had to beg him to come on the podcast. He just wanted to tell me the story because he wanted to tell somebody that was not going to judge him. And I hear a story like that, and I'm like, "How? What did that guy see? You know? I mean, the guy well, saw something." Here's what. Here's <laughs> what I'll say about that. Okay, I, I've watched a lot of interviews with Bigfoot witnesses. Uh, you know, watching all the different shows on TV and all that. And there are people that have said. It was standing right there, 10 feet in front of me, and it was eight foot tall and it was hairy. And when you're watching them tell the story, and Howler can attest to this, you know, you've been in law enforcement long enough, you, you know, there's certain things people do when they're not telling the truth. You know, there's certain, you know, you can tell when someone is true in their convictions about telling a story sure. as to what they believe they saw. And when they, when they say they saw something, it's like, you know, I'll give a little teaser to the episode coming up on Friday is that. I saw a UFO. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say it was little green people or that it was a spacecraft, you know, with alien beings. But I saw something that I described in detail on the show. And until that point, until that point, anybody that ever told me they saw a UFO, I was like, no, you didn't. You know, I, I mean, that's what's going through my head. I'm, I'm watching all these interviews with people on TV and they're explaining all these things and I'm trying to explain it away. And, and until you're the one who sees something, you know, up until that point, everything else is, you know, it human nature, I think to just say, you know, we know what we know and that's, that's it. But until you see something that you don't know, then that's when it becomes plausible to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's and there's a lot of people out looking and there's a lot of people that don't want to see something and they end up seeing it. You know, it's it's weird who who ends up being the eyewitness, you know? Like there's a lot of people I don't think want to be eyewitnesses that become them and the people that really want to are the are the people that don't ever get to see anything. So it's almost, you know, it's just to me it's weird how random it is. And it is. And, and the other thing I'll say is that, you know, there's a lot of people out there like the Howler and me that spend their life outdoors. They're, they're avid outdoorsmen and they spend a lot of time afield. They spend a lot of time in the woods. And then there's the other people who, you know, it's a big adventure for them to go to the, go to the park, you know, some, you know, like mm -hmm. National Park or even a small woodlot somewhere, you know, they think that's the wilderness, you know, like people from Southern Michigan think where I live in Northern Michigan is a vast wilderness. I mean, they, they think it's Alaska up here, you know, they think you go to the upper peninsula and you cross the Mackinac bridge and, you know, it's a vast wilderness, but <clears throat> there's places out there that are a whole lot wilder. But, you know, when, when you compare your, 
your time of field to the people that, you know, don't spend a lot of time in the field, you kind of write them off as, okay, they got creeped out real easy because they're used to the concrete jungle. I can't sleep in a city because of all the noise, you know, because of the light pollution. And, but that doesn't mean that they didn't believe what they think they saw. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I have a tendency right. to write that's that right. off. It was, you know, and I guess, in, you know, and, and I had an old Boston government always, you know, you say reality is perception. Perception is reality. So if that's the, what they perceive, then you got to go with it because that's their reality. Whether it's your reality or whether in some cases it's the truth, if, you know, it's their reality. And, of course, I used to yeah. count him all the time. You know, Freud, Sigmund Freud said, don't believe everything you think. Right? So <laughs> the flip side to that is, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, I don't know. For it's 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 that time of year, Halloween, where a lot of people's reality really gets skewed. I know it's the best, isn't it? It's the best. The next three months are the best. (laughs) Oh, why you think reality gets more skewed as closer we get to Christmas? I don't look at it as skewed. My reality is getting bigger every day. You know what I mean? I mean, really. Yeah, it just gets keeps getting bigger. Ever since I got on uh, uh, social media, my my world is just so big now. I can't even digest it all some days. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's what happens right now. See, now I'm going to be in the deer stand next few weekends in a row, and you can really tell when I'm in the deer stand because my Twitter really blows up because I got to like stuff and I try not to comment because. You know what? Very arrogant you, here. you know what, Tim? Now we know why the Howler's not seeing Bigfoot because he's on Twitter while he's in the deer stand. You know, <laughs> some of the people right? in Twitter, I don't know. Are they that stupid? Yes. Yes, they are. You know? Yes, they are. I mean, I look at the world and I go, sometimes I go, good, we can conquer them, right? When the world collapses, I'll be a I'll be a conqueror. But then I think, <laughs> do I want a world full of these people? Do you want to lead those people? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, I used to work with guys. Because there'll be a in true the reflection of their in, leadership. <laughs> in, the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. That's what he used to say. Yeah, it's true. And, it's true. Uh, <laughs> when I see Twitter, man, there's some blind suckers out there. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.